Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Genesis, excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 6 in just a moment. Let me see, i make sure I have the right place there. All right, Colossians, I'm sorry, I'm giving you the wrong reference. I knew that didn't sound right to me. Amen, it's Colossians. All right, we're continuing our series this, mor- this morning, Monday Matters, and we're talking about the fact that, you know what, our faith and our worship is not just something that takes place on Sunday morning. But it's something that we live every day. Worship is not an event, it's a lifestyle, amen? And so we need to worship the Lord on Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week. And a part of that has to do with our work. And so today our message is titled Monday Faith, Monday Faith. You know, one pastor shared his experience when he was hired straight out of seminary after having just graduated with his master's degree in theology and ready to enter ministry and make a difference in the world for Christ. And after he was hired, he sat at lunch with one of the elders of this new church where he was going to be pastoring. The elder was an attorney, and he said to him, Son, you know that God's heroes don't stand behind pulpits on Sunday, don't you? And that kind of took this young preacher aback but from that point forward this young minister said he didn't hear anything else that that elder said in the conversation because he was so stunned by his words he was stunned because he realized the elder was right the elder was right and that one critical point revolutionized this young minister's understanding of ministry he began to study the bible and discovered that many of god's heroes in scripture were not religious professionals. They were not priests or Pharisees or religious leaders. For instance, Joseph, we've been looking at the life of Joseph last week and on Wednesday nights. Joseph made a difference for Christ as a slave, or for God, excuse me, as a slave, as a prisoner, and then as a prime minister in Egypt. None of those were religious callings. David started out as a shepherd, a musician, a worship leader, a warrior, and a king. Daniel was a government official and made a difference for God in the Babylonian Empire and in the Persian Empire for more than 70 years. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia and then led a construction project in Jerusalem. Luke was a physician. Paul was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter until the age of 30, and he died at the age of 33. So he spent most of his adult life working in a small business in comparison to just three years of his life in what we consider ministry. Almost 86% of Jesus' parables are set in the context of work. As one commentator states, in the Jewish mindset, all work, was an extension of God's work. But unfortunately for too many Christians, there's a disconnect between our faith and our work. There's no question that the workplace is a challenging environment to openly express and practice our Christian faith. 
Amidst a culture of political correctness and even restrictive company policies, it has become easier for many to compartmentalize their faith, leaving it at the door when they enter their workplaces. But being a Christian is not something we do. It's who we are. And we can't leave who we are at the door. So we can't stop being a follower of Christ when we enter our workplace. Most Christians spend an hour and a half in church every week. If, if you just go to church on Sunday morning, you spend an hour and a half in church. But you spend probably 40 hours or more at work. That's 50% or more of your waking hours that are spent at work. So certainly God didn't intend for us to just worship and serve him one and a half hours a week. Hello. Amen. So how do we integrate our faith into the rest of our lives, especially our work, where we spend the greatest portion of our lives every week? Well, you may be thinking to yourself, oh, pastor, there's no way I can bring my faith to work with me. There's rules against that stuff, and I would get fired. And I know there's some companies and school systems, et cetera, that are pretty strict. But I'm not talking about being a confrontational evangelist on your workplace. That every time you meet somebody, you throw them up against the wall and give them the four spiritual laws and say, turn or burn. I'm not talking about doing that. (laughs) So what does faith look like on Mondays? Paul teaches us how to live out our faith at work in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. And we're going to read through chapter 4, verse 6. Slaves. We're going to see that that applies not just to slaves, but some of us might feel like slaves at our work. Amen. (laughs) But slaves... Obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Chapter 4, masters, be just and fair to your slaves. So now he's talking to bosses or employers. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourself in prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I am here in chains. Pray that I'll proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Live wisely. Live wisely. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. If you're faithful to God and you pray for God to open doors, he's going to open opportunities before you at work. Amen? Let your conversation, and the word conversation in this context, it applies beyond what we speak, but to our lifestyle. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Amen? You know, in Paul's day, 
The master-slave relationship was the primary work relationship because the majority of the population in that day, they were not business owners or landowners. They were some type of slave or indentured servant. So he is addressing this to the populace, to, to the great majority of people. But the principles that are taught here regarding the slave-master relationship can be applied today to the work-employer relationship as well. Now, Paul never taught spiritual truth divorced from real-life application. In fact, if you read carefully all of Paul's letters, you will find that the first half of his letters are always theological and doctrinal, and the second half of his letters are always practical, and they'll usually start with the word therefore. And what he's saying is, okay, based on all this stuff I just taught you about God and what Jesus Christ has done for us, therefore, this is how you ought to live now. All right, so there's always that practical application. Of course, when we're preaching, we also need to bring that practical application. But Paul always taught spiritual truth connected to life application. And just prior to this passage, he described how our faith in Christ should affect our personal life, how it should affect our family life. And now in this passage, he says, you know what? Our faith in Christ also needs to influence our work life. First, he tells us we need to go to work for the same reasons we need to go to church. Amen. Some differences. You're not going to be spiritually fed likely at work, but the, but, but the purpose you go there. We go to work to worship. Hello. And I don't mean putting in your earbuds and, and cranking up your worship music. Verse 22, he says, serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. And reverent fear speaks of a worshipful attitude to the Lord. So what he's saying, when you go to work, you are going to do it in a way that worships or honors God. One commentator writes, what does Paul mean by working with reverence for the Lord? Working with reverence for the Lord means that anything an employee does, whether it's sweeping, mopping, cleaning bathrooms, etc., should be viewed as holy work offered to God. So think of the most miserable task you have to do at work and then say, Lord, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Hallelujah. This writer shared the story of a workplace with a sign above the kitchen sink that said, divine service held here three times a day. And he explained that the person who oversaw the washing of the dishes understood that even the mundane things at work could be offered as worship to the Lord. This writer went on to say, studying for a test, preparing a presentation, grading papers, construction work, and anything else we can think of can be something that we offer as worship to God. Worship speaks of ascribing worth to God. And your work becomes worship to God when you do it with excellence, when you do it with diligence to honor him and to bring glory to his name among your coworkers, your boss, and anyone else impacted by your work. I can just picture Jesus being a carpenter and his customers coming in to pick up an item he fixed or he made for them. And they're saying, man, that is the most beautiful job or that is the best repair job I've ever seen. That would be the kind of worker that Jesus would have been, don't you think? Amen. I don't think there would have been any complaints over his work. But our work becomes worship 
when we do it in a way that honors God. You may feel that your work is insignificant or meaningless, but realize who Paul was writing to. Paul was writing to slaves, most of which were working uh, in agriculture, digging uh, trenches, digging, digging the ground, planting, harvesting, very menial type of labor. And yet he says, remember you're doing it for the Lord and do it to worship him. Paul elevates all kinds of work and says it's meaningful to God. Whatever you do, it's meaningful to God and it can bring glory to his name when it's done with excellence and diligence. Amen? And when you understand work in this way, someone has said, then all work becomes God's work. All work becomes God's work. When you go to work understanding that you are working for God, not for your company, not for your boss, not for your customers or clients, it makes your work an act of worship unto God. And your goal is to make a name for him rather than a name for yourself. You're not just there to get noticed and promoted. You are there to get God noticed and to promote his name by the way that you do your job. So ask yourself, ask yourself, am I worshiping God with my work? Am I exalting him by doing my work with excellence and diligence to bring glory to his name? So we go to work to worship. We go to work to serve. Every Christian is called to be a servant, right? Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom would be the servant of all. And in church, we are called to serve by using our gifts, talents, uh, uh, abilities, and time to minister to others, to, to serve others. But that's just one or two hours a week, right? Did God just want us to serve one or two hours a week? No. Being a servant is a lifestyle. So what about the rest of the week? Look at what Paul says in verse 22. He says, we are to serve our earthly masters or bosses or companies sincerely. We are to do it from the heart. Amen. We are there to serve God and we serve God by serving others well. We serve God by serving people. The, wor the world goes to work mainly to serve themselves. They go there to earn a paycheck. They go there to get promoted. They go there to, to build their career. That's the motivation of the world, right? And if we work with excellence and diligence as unto the Lord, guess what? That will happen. You will get noticed. You will get promoted. Because you know what? If you're working with excellence and diligence unto the Lord, you're going to be the best employee that your employer has. And it's going to bring promotion. But as Christians, Paul tells us in the beginning of this chapter that we are no longer children of the world. So if the world's goal in going to work is to get noticed, get promoted, and build their career, we're no longer children of the world. Christ died for us that we might be saved. So we have died to our own old sinful self, Paul says, and we have been given a new nature, a new life in Christ. And as such, he says, we can no longer live the way the world lives, but we must now walk in newness of life. So we're different than the world. Then he starts to spell out what that change looks like in our day-to-day -day life. And in this case, he spells it out in regard to our work. 
He says in this passage that as followers of Christ, whether as employees or employers, when we go to work, we don't go there primarily for ourselves or to get a paycheck or to get promoted or to advance our career, but we go there to serve God by serving others. That means doing the best job that we can for our employee, for our customer, for our clients, for our patients, for our students if we're a teacher, or whoever we serve in our work capacity. And we are to do it willingly. Meaning that we need to have a good attitude about it. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God that I get to sweep this floor today. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. You know, recently my credit card was not working at a gas pump and I had to go inside. And it was obvious that the attendant didn't want to be there, didn't want to be working. And I got these one word grunts as responses. Swipe, press. Then he asked me how much, I said $15 and he entered 50. And I said, no, I said 15. Then he acted like it was my fault when I corrected him. That person definitely does not have a servant's heart or a willing spirit. I hope to God they don't claim to be a Christian. Amen? Because that would be such a bad testimony. Right? We are testifying of the Lord every single day by the way that we live our life and the way that we treat the people we work with and work for. Amen? As Christians, we should shine as bright lights in the way that we treat people with courtesy and respect and going above and beyond to help people. It should make us stand out. Amen. And people want to know, why are you so kind? Why are you so gracious? Why are you so helpful? Why are you so compassionate? And then we have an opportunity to say, it's because I'm working for Jesus. Hallelujah. And that'll be a testimony to Christ because it will stand out and get noticed and open an opportunity to give a word of witness for Christ. So we go to work to worship. We go to work to serve. We go to work with eternal expectations. For the unsaved, work is all about the money. It's all about the paycheck and the package. But God tells us that our motivation in work is about earning an eternal reward an eternal reward. Look at uh, the end of verse 23 into verse 24. Paul says, work as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. When you work for the Lord, the package and the French benefits, they're out of this world. Literally. They're eternal. And they're better than any earthly package that you could get. Amen? That means that the way that you work every day as a teacher, a nurse, an administrative assistant, a doctor, a construction worker, or whatever it might be, it counts for eternity. It counts for eternity. We will be one day held accountable before God for how we did our job. You know, I'm not saying all young people are this way, but I I, I have noticed something among the younger generation and their attitude to work. And a while back, I had a conversation with a young man, which his mother kept telling me, you know, uh, you don't know who he is because he goes to another church. His mother kept telling me, you know, um, 
oh, he's 20-something years old. All he does is sits and, and plays video games. He doesn't work. He doesn't contribute to the household and blah, 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 blah. So after a while, I found out the young man got a job. So I told him, that's great. That's wonderful. When do you start? He said, this week. So I said, praise God. You know, I'm praying for you. So I saw him a few days later. And I said, how's the job? He said, job what job? <laughs> I said, the job that you told me that you were starting this past week. He goes, oh, I went there for a couple of days. And then one day, the, the manager was a, a restaurant job and at one of those casual dining places. And the manager told me to go and clean tables. And I said, that's not what I was hired for. I'm not cleaning any tables. I quit. And this young man's supposed to be a Christian young man. But, but I, I've noticed not all young people, but I've noticed in this younger generation, there is that kind of attitude. Just do the bare minimum, and I am entitled to a paycheck, and you are not supposed to tell me what to do. That is so contrary to how God tells us that we are supposed to be. Amen? One day we're going to stand before God. And he's going to hold us to account, not just for the fact that we didn't drink or we didn't smoke or we didn't party or we didn't go around having sex, that we went to church regularly and paid. But he's also going to hold us accountable for how we did our job. That's where we say amen or oh me. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to be held accountable. And he's our eternal reward. He's going to reward us according to how we did our job. Hallelujah. Now, I, I do want to clarify that I'm not saying that working hard and advancing our career or desiring to make a better living for ourselves is wrong. But it can be dangerous if it's not pursued according to God's intention and for God's glory. Amen. As believers, our greatest motivation must be to one day stand before our Heavenly Father and hear Him say, Well done good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the reward Amen. of your master. You see, we, we realize that his evaluation and commendation of our earthly work includes not only the service that we render in church, which ought to be done with excellence and diligence as well, but also how we work outside, outside of church. Outside. The classic Christian author C.S. Lewis suggests that we are far too easily pleased with the rewards of this earthly life. So some of us, were just glad if we get the paycheck that we want and the fringe benefits that we want. And he goes on to say, we regularly fall prey to the deception that the secret to a fulfilled life is more money, more possessions, and greater personal achievement. One author writes, but while we're settling for the temporal pleasure of material possessions, it is possible we are missing something better. It's possible we're missing things that would bring even greater satisfaction and more lasting pleasure to our lives. Could it be that we were designed for something greater than material acquisition, and we are acting foolishly by settling for something less than the very best. If you go to work just for the paycheck and the package, you're settling for something less than the very best. When we think that fulfillment, meaning, and joy can be found in anything of this world, we become like a dog chasing his tail. Have you ever seen a dog chasing his tail? He goes around and around in circles, but guess what? He never catches it. And, and, and we can chase everything this world has to offer. We're never going to find fulfillment, meaning, and joy outside of serving God. King Solomon, 
King Solomon worked hard. He was one of the wisest and wealthiest kings of his day. And he said that all the money in the world and all the earthly pleasures and pursuits apart from God were meaningless, meaningless, like chasing the wind. You can chase the wind all you want. When you think you've caught it, you end up with an armful of nothing. And that's chasing the world to find joy and meaning and purpose. You're going to end up with an armful of nothing. We need to go to work like we go to church to worship God and to serve him and expect that our eternal reward is what makes it all worthwhile. Amen. Secondly, our secular job becomes sacred when it's done with the right attitude. Our secular job becomes sacred when it's done with the right attitude. We can serve and bring glory to God in our daily work. One day, we will all stand before God and give account, not just for what we did on Sundays, but for what we did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. God is telling us that our Mondays matter, our Tuesdays matter, our Wednesdays matter, our Thursdays matter, the whole week matters. Our daily work matters to him and to his kingdom. Whether that work is being an electrician, a plumber, a business owner, a realtor, or a diaper changer, it matters to God. To make our life count for God and experience the joy and satisfaction of extending his kingdom by using the gifts that God has given us in our work, we don't need to quit our jobs and work in church to make a difference for the kingdom of God or to serve God. I've heard wonderful, well-intentioned, godly people throughout the years say to me, Pastor, I just wish I could quit working my job and just work in the church. Well, first of all, working in the church isn't working in a little slice of heaven on earth because we deal with people of all kinds that are not yet glorified into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. None of you here, I'm sure. But I've had furniture turned over in my office by somebody who didn't like the counsel I gave. I was threatened at gunpoint because somebody didn't like the counsel they thought I gave their wife, which was not the counsel I gave their wife. So uh, I could go on and on, but working in church is not necessarily a little slice of heaven. Hallelujah. But God wants us to work for him wherever he has placed us. So we don't need to change careers or quit our job to work for Jesus. We just need to change our perspective and our motives for our work. Amen. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Any secular job can become sacred when it's done from the right heart. Unless, of course, the job is something that's innately sinful. I mean, you can't be a drug dealer for the glory of God. You can't be an exotic dancer for the glory of God. So, you know, there are certain exceptions to that. But if it's not a blatantly sinful job, then any job can be done for the glory of God. The point is that it's not so much what you do but it's why you do it and how you do it that makes it worship unto the Lord. So any job can be made sacred or holy unto God when we do it to fulfill his purpose, to expand his kingdom, and to bring glory to his name. 
So what does all this say? Our spiritual life must encompass all of our life. Our faith must extend beyond Sunday to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Work cannot be a separate compartment from our spiritual life. As it has been said, he is not Lord at all if he is not Lord of all. And that means being Lord of your job and the way that you do your work. Amen. When you make him Lord over all, it includes your work. And when you work for the glory and honor of God, I can tell you this. His favor and blessing will be upon you and promotion will come. Remember the story of uh, Joseph? We looked at it last week. When he was a slave, he was the best slave he could be. And they saw that God's hand was upon him and he kept getting promoted. When he was a prisoner, he was the model prisoner, the best prisoner there could be. And the warden saw the favor of God on him and he got promoted. Folks, if you will do your job unto the Lord, you will become the best employee and that your employer will take notice. Not only will it bring glory to God, but it's going to bring favor on you and promotion on you. Amen. Praise the Lord. There are two men of God who exemplify what it means for our faith to extend beyond Sunday to Monday and the rest of the week and what it means for the Lord to be the Lord of our work. The first one, his name is David Green. He's actually Assemblies of God and he now gives millions of dollars to Assemblies of God missions every year. But he is the founder and owner of Hobby Lobby. And actually he was starting in Oklahoma when I lived in Oklahoma. And he started his business by borrowing $500 from his family because he didn't even have money to start his business. And he started just by making frames on his living room table. But he was a devoted Christian. And everything he did, he did to the glory and honor of God. And now, of course, he owns Hobby Lobby. And then there's Dan Cathay, and he is the former owner and president of Chick-fil-A before his passing. Both are multi-billionaires who have used their wealth extensively to advance God's kingdom and use their influence, not just their wealth, but their influence for God's kingdom. Both of them had a practice of closing their business on Sundays. And David Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby, was once asked why he did that. He said, Sundays are actually the biggest sales day for a hobby store like ours. But that day belongs to the Lord. And we want to give our employees an opportunity to worship the Lord and spend time with their family. So he was willing to give up the biggest earning day of the week so people could honor God and so he could honor God. What does that tell you about David Green? He understood that even his business was an act of worship. The way he did his business was an act of worship to the Lord. And David Cathay for a while also gave Sundays off. Both of them gave Sundays off because their primary motivation was not money. Their primary motivation was to glorify God. Listen to the philosophy of how they run their business. Green, who started, as I said, the multi-billion dollar business with a $500 loan from his father, said that two goals of Hobby Lobby are, number one, to run our business in harmony with God's laws. So they want to do everything according to God's word. That's why he was able to take a suit all the way to the Supreme Court and win it 
when it was being required under the new, uh, several years ago, the new health uh, laws that went into effect, that all companies would have to pay for abortions and all sorts of things like that, which is against what the Bible teaches. And so he was able to carry a lawsuit all the way to the Supreme Court. And the reason that they won is because they saw that he was not only applying his Christianity to this one point, but he ran his entire business according to the word of God. His entire business. And it was a, a powerful testimony because it was on all the news channels and I thought it was amazing. But secondly, he says um, that their goal is to focus on people more than money. They want to serve people and they want to serve their employees, and that's more important to them than money. Cathay, who rose from selling peanuts and Cokes on the streets of Atlanta to becoming the multi-billion dollar owner of Chick-fil-A, said our company's corporate mission is, quote, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Because he understood that the way he does business is to bring glory to God. These are followers of Christ who have recognized that God must be Lord of all and that there cannot be any divide between what we do in church and what we do for living the rest of the week. These two men are examples of men who started from the bottom but made a commitment from the start to honor God. And as a result, they honored God with their work and God favored them and God promoted them and God blessed them. Amen? They both understood that whatever we do, we must do it all for the glory of God, to advance his kingdom, and to lift up a testimony to his name. Now, we may not be a multi-billionaire CEO. If you are, I'd like to talk to you after the service. But we have a building plan, amen. But we may not be a multi-billionaire CEO, but God still calls us to serve him in our jobs in the way that we work yes. as a means to bring glory to his name yes. and advance his kingdom. And when we live that way, yes. his favor will be upon us. Right. He will bless us. Yes. He will reward us here on earth with promotion yes. and he will reward us in eternity. But it all starts with surrendering our lives to him as our Lord and as our savior. It starts with a relationship with God. So I wanna speak first to anybody who might be here who has not yet committed your life to Christ. You see, we are all sinners. Sin separated us from God, and that's the reason that Jesus came and died on the cross. He gave his sinless life as a sacrifice for us so that as we place our faith in him and repent of our sins, the word repent simply means to turn around, to turn away from our sin and turn to God. And when we do that, the moment we do that, we are born again, we're made spiritually alive, we are brought into right relationship with God. He becomes our father. We become his children. And we begin the lifelong journey of learning to love and live for him. And if you're here today and you have never given your heart to Christ, or maybe you did it several years ago, and you know God is tugging at your heart to come back to him and rededicate yourself to the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do so in just a moment. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to come to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have a relationship with him. 
or you might say, I want to come back to Jesus. Would you pray for me? If that's your heart's desire, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Or I want to come back to Jesus. Amen. Is there anyone else? Just slip your hand right up. You can put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for those that raised your hand. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer with me right now. And I'm going to ask the entire congregation to pray it with those that raised their hand as an encouragement to pray. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I turn to you in faith, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I want to congratulate you if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. Amen. We welcome you to the family of God and congratulate you on making the best decision. If you just prayed that prayer, if you would take your phone out and just text your email address to the number on the screen because we would like to send you free of charge a little e-booklet to help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord because that prayer was a beginning, not an end, and we want to help you to move forward in your relationship with the Lord. So if you take your phone out right now and just text your email address to the number on the screen so that we can send this little booklet to you. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. We're going to speak now to those who are Christians. And if it's your heart to say, God, help me to go to work for the same reason I go to church. Help me go to work to, to worship you and bring glory to your name, to serve you by serving those that you put in my path, whether it's my employer or it's the customers or clients or patients. But help me to do it in a way that, that honors you and serves their needs and help me to work with an eter eternal expectation that my reward doesn't come at the end of the week in a form of a paycheck, but my reward will come one day when I stand before you. If it's your heart's desire to make your work at worship unto God, would you stand to your feet and make your way to this altar? And we're just going to spend a moment to make that consecration to the Lord. And we're going to say, Lord, I don't want to work just for a paycheck or for retirement. I want to work to bring glory to your name. I want to work to make a difference for your kingdom. Hallelujah. I want to work to be a blessing and a light to others. Lift up your voices and you speak to God for yourself, making that commitment in your own words as I pray over us. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for each and every person standing at this altar. I thank you that the fact that they came to this altar is a reflection of a heart that says, God, I want to serve you. I want to live according to your will. I want to honor you. I want to live by your word. And Father, as we stand before you today, we surrender our lives to you and we say, Lord, let everything that we do, not just when we're in church, but when we're at home and when we're at work, let everything that we do bring glory unto your name. Father, help us to view work the way that you view work. Help us to make worships, our work sacred unto you by turning it into an act of worship, doing it with excellence and diligence to bring honor to your name, doing it in such a way that it will be attractive to others and they will want to know why we are so different, Lord God. 
Let us shine brightly as bright and shining lights in our workplace in the midst of darkness, Lord God, so that your name may be lifted up in all that we do. And may we so work that one day when we stand before you, you will be able to say of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us by the Holy Spirit to live this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.